Hi, I'm Michelle Brooks. Welcome to Endo Matters. This is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition, no longer letting it control them. I'll be asking you, the listener, what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo. After all, endo does matter. Hello listeners and welcome to this month's episode of Endo Matters. This month, um, time of going live, we are the month of March and that means for the endo community that it's Endometriosis Awareness Month. So what I've got planned this month for us is a snippet of little sections of podcast just to give us a little bit more material and to give us a little bit more stuff to get our teeth into. Um, It's also one year anniversary of the podcast, so happy anniversary to us. Um, Thank you listeners for supporting me during this past year. It's been a great journey and I hope you've enjoyed the podcast so far. So what I'm going to talk about today is something that isn't um, often covered in the community of endometriosis. We talk a lot about the symptoms of endo. We talk a lot about how we can help ourselves with symptoms of endo, especially with what the work I do. But something else that affects women massively when they have this condition is mental health. And it can be really hard to talk about this sometimes. And what I'm going to talk about today is actually my journey with this. And again, you know, I find it really easy to talk about my symptoms. I find it really easy to talk about how I've helped myself with the symptoms. But talking about the mental health side of it can be quite tricky. And I hope that by doing this, that some of you can listen to this and relate and know that you're not alone, and know that you can reach out and talk to people about this and get help for this area in particular. So I think my struggles with mental health started when I was about 14, maybe even younger. I always kind of relate this to when my mum died. My mum died when I was 14, very, very suddenly, of a brain hemorrhage. So there was no warning. She just went to bed one night with a headache and basically didn't wake up. So for me, that kind of rocked my world in a really, really negative way. I was sixes and sevens as to what to do. Um, My dad, bless him, he tried his best, but he was suffering as well. So the pair of us really were at a really like bad place. And for me, I was getting to that GCSE sort of stage and didn't see the point in any of it, didn't see the point in studying, didn't see the point in my life. And I think, well, I don't think, I know that um, on a couple of occasions, I did actually try to take my own life at that point. I didn't feel like there was any point in going on with life. And it it was hard. It was really, really hard. And as a result of that, I started rebelling in in really stupid ways, drinking. You know, I was only 15, but drinking alcohol. I got involved with a, he was a bad boy, you know, the kind of guy that your parents never want you to be with. I started getting involved with him because I was rebelling. Everything I wanted to do in life, I was just wanting to punish myself and punish everybody around me because I hated life. So I got involved with this guy and, um, you know, thought I was brilliant because I was um, walking around town with this, I'm going to say it, dickhead. Um, and he... He wasn't very nice to me. He used to pretend to be play fighting me, but really like punching me. So I didn't see this as abuse at the time, but I was always covered in bruises. He would be um, out in the middle of the night. I didn't want to know what he was doing, probably robbing the local shop. And at this point, he would be locking me in a room so I wouldn't be able to get out. And again, didn't see that as abuse either. 
until it got to a point where I started getting a bit fed up of all his antics and he used to take drugs, he used to sniff aerosol and he would be like just a very vile person. So I wanted to get out of this relationship and imagine I'm only 15 and I couldn't get out of it. It was hard. He would be following me around everywhere. You know, I'd try and go and stay at friends. He'd be camped out on the driveway. He'd followed me everywhere. So I felt like really trapped and it kind of came to a head when one night I was in on my own in the house. My dad was working nights and he he basically raped me. And I didn't, again, see that as rape at the time because, you know, um, you've been in a relationship with somebody, that's, that, that kind of thing had already happened. So, um, yeah, again, mental health um, was like really not in a great place at this point. So as a result of that situation, I then started to punish myself even further and start to not eat and then binge. So then I started suffering from anorexia from being probably late 15 into my 16th year. And this followed me around until my 30s. So that situation started, I'd say when my mum died, but I, I wouldn't say that my mental health was particularly brilliant even before my mum died because I was always just that very strange child that always felt lonely, even though she had loads of friends. So I would say that I had some mental health issues even before that happened. But everything that happened there on after added layers and layers to this downward spiral in my mental well-being. So obviously, when I started my periods, that was at the age of about 14, I always had issues, as I've talked about a lot on this podcast before, always had issues, always had pain. And I started going to the doctor and obviously at 15, they don't expect you to have anything particularly wrong with you. So they just said, I've got a low pain threshold, get a hot water bottle and take some painkillers. So I kind of took that and accepted that. But then when all of these things started happening to me, um, pain got worse and I started going back to the doctors more frequently and nobody was kind of taking any notice of me. And I felt that in, even though I had all of these other layers of mental health issues going on because of the circumstances that I'd been in and the things that were going on, it still felt that I was being ignored, but I knew there was something wrong. And even from that early age, I knew there was something wrong. I didn't know what it was. And even endometriosis, I don't think was even a word at the time. I knew there was something wrong, but doctors kept telling me there wasn't. And I talked to a lot of women about this and that actual... Thing. I've been told that time and time again that there's nothing wrong with you but you're in physical pain and being in physical pain even for like I only have it cyclically so I only have it for a few days a month but when you're in pain constantly and you know there's something wrong and somebody keeps telling you that there isn't that plays a toll on your mental health as well so I understand with endometriosis that it's not just a physical thing and I think that actually the physical side of it is easier to deal with than the mental side of it because physically you know yes there's nothing you can do for endometriosis you take a painkiller half the time it doesn't take it off you can go and lie in a, in a dark room you, the pain's still there but it kind of you know what's coming but with mental health it just raises its ugly head at any point at any time and you can't control it and it took me a lot a lot of years to get on top of this and I can sit here now at the age of 47 and actually say that I think my mental health is in a great state and that I'm able to now reach out and talk to other women about this because I've been there I've been through it and I feel like I'm at the other end and don't get me wrong there are days like everybody have a down day 
I can have a day where I feel like it's slipping again, but I do have the techniques to get out of it. So what I kind of want the message to be behind this podcast today is that no matter how bad you're feeling, no matter where you're at and you feel that you're at rock bottom, I've been at rock bottom as well. You know, I tried to take my own life at 15. That is rock bottom in my eyes. And there's there's a way out, no matter where you're at, there's a way out. And I'm going to like talk about ways in which I help myself get out is working with therapists. Um, Luckily for me, when I moved to France, I saw um, a gynecologist. Again, I was still going through this when I moved to France in my 20s, I moved to France, came back when I was in my 30s. And that doctor in France, the gynecologist said to me, you've had some trauma in your life, I can tell. And she then referred me on to her husband, who was a... Um, he was um, a CBT therapist, basically, but he was very knowledgeable and he was very good at helping me get over some of the issues that had been caused by all this trauma. So that was the first kind of step on my ladder of recovery in the mental health side of things was getting this therapist. And you can imagine, you know, I'm sat there talking in French as well. So it's not even in my own words that were in my head when I was younger, it's speaking in a different language, but no matter how it was done, it helped and that was kind of the first stages. And I started reading a lot of self-help help books to get me over it. And um, again, I, I can tell you what they are, but I read them in French as well. So um, I don't know if the translations are actually um, in English, but um, one was, it translates as um, surviving after shock. That was one of them. The stomach, um, the brain is a second, the stomach is a second brain. And, and what if the, what if the brain was linked to the stomach? Again, these are all translations from French, so it might not translate and the, the titles might be completely different. But um, they helped me as well. So getting to know my own mind and reading through things and getting ideas from books was a really great thing. And then when I moved back to the UK, I started doing spiritual awareness classes. And again, for many, many years, I was still carrying around this sadness, this deep anxiety around the, the, the way that my mum died. And I met an amazing woman that sadly now passed on. And she sat me down quite bluntly and just said, "Um, Michelle, why are you still thinking about how your mum died? I said, because it was tragic. You know, it's really affected my life. It's affected your life because you've let it. You know, your mum died and it was tragic, yes. But that happened like 20 odd years ago and you're still carrying that around with you. Do you want that to still happen? And I was like, obviously not. That's why I'm here. And she talked me through getting over that and living life thinking of my mum as um, a great memory in my life and not as that she died. And once I got my head around that and I started thinking about my mum in a different way and in that, you know, when I think about my mum now, I smile and I talk about my mum and, and like feel great about it. I don't feel that inner sadness. Yes, okay, there's different dates of the year that obviously still are a little bit difficult. But even on the day of the um, of mum's anniversary of her death, I go out and I celebrate. And I buy myself something nice, put some flowers in the house, you know, do nice things that are related to that day. I don't sit around and mope anymore. And I'm not saying that if anybody sadly has has been in that position, that it happens overnight. You know, we're talking 20 odd years later that this started happening for me. But I just want you to know that there is hope and there is things that you can do to help yourself get out of that. Just reach out, please reach out and find the right people to help you with any of this. And like, as I say, with endometriosis, I think this part of it really gets missed, that we talk about the physicalities, we talk about the 
the ways in like medically we can help and and the ways that um, for me holistically we can help but this mental health side of it you can't ignore you know you being told time after time there's nothing wrong with you and you sitting and having to accept that does something to your mind does something to your mindset and sometimes you feel like why do I bother why me why this why the other it's all really bad on the mental health so I think basically anybody with this kind of condition that you live in pain, no matter whether it's endometriosis or fibromyalgia or anything else that you are in chronic pain constantly, you should automatically have a referral to somebody who can help with your mental health. Never happens. Obviously, NHS resources, as we've talked time and time again, are very, very low. So we're never, ever going to get that. But you yourself can reach out. There's loads of organisations. If you don't have the money to pay for it, there are organisations out there that you can speak to. And there might be waiting lists that are long. I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy, but there are people out there who are willing to help. I know a lot of practitioners I work with that offer their services free of charge just so that they can reach out and help people. So don't sit in silence. That's what I want to say to you. Don't sit in silence. If you have endometriosis, if you're listening to this and you do suffer with mental health problems, reach out find the help a lot of um i mean i know a lot of not a lot of men listen to this podcast but there's a big campaign now about men speaking out all for it you know why is it that men have to be portrayed in a certain way and and be a certain way men have issues as well with mental health you know they don't talk about it possibly as easily as women so again reach out nobody needs to sit in silence just reach out and find that way forward so that's more or less all I have to say on this. It's a very short one today, but um, I hope it got the message across. And I just want to say that, again, thank you to all the listeners for supporting this podcast month in, month out. And it really doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to hearing and seeing you again on the next podcast. Thanks for listening to Endo Matters. I've been Michelle Brooks from Desired Physique. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me at info at If you like what you've heard and have found the information useful, please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to. Also, if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.